Thanks, David. Trish, come on up here on the stage with me, in fact. And I know some people are going to help me in a moment. Um, so if you want to get ready to bring out something for Trish, that would be amazing. Um, but we are super blessed to have Pastor Trish here across our whole day today. We're taking a moment just to say a huge, huge thank you to Trish. So put your hands together for Trish, Pastor Trish Broadbent as she comes out on the stage with me. Trish, we want to take a moment just to say thank you to you. And I know this is the third time we've done this and um, it's not your favourite thing to be people to um, express their appreciation to you. But I know um, how important it is for um, us to be able to give thanks to God today for your ministry uh, over many, many years. And Trish started attending Bridgman back in 2001 when the new auditorium over there had just been built. So Trish has seen so much of what God has done over that time. was very involved in the early days of seeing um, some of those ministries um, come to fruition back when night service was just starting, actually, probably back then. So to give you a feel for it, to see all that God has done and has been a key part of that. Um, I do have a few other notes, which I will pull out just to help you know, because I want you to grasp the significance. Often you don't realise... Um, just the significance of how much people have invested here and sown into this place and poured their lives out um, so that lives would be impacted. So 2001, Trish began attending. In 2003, she became a member here. In 2007, she became part of the church council. Um, Trish was teaching at the time at Albany Creek Primary School just down the road here. Trish came on to our staff team in 2008 and then was called as our first female pastor in 2009, which is, was very significant. Um, and then I want to share just a little bit about um, uh, a presentation that was made about Trish in 2015 when her renewal of call was coming up at our church meeting, which captures for you just a glimpse of all the different aspects. Trish's primary focus was always in the children's area, um, which she loves so much and was so much a part of God's call in her life and which is going to continue into the future with the new calling God has given to her as well. But there was so much more than that. So let me just read this out. Um, there's a long list of things that Trish has done. So, um, um, But I want you to hear just so, so much of what she was a part of. Pastor Trish has been serving. This is the presentation on that church meeting. Pastor Trish has been serving as our pastoral team member since 2009. Trish has made an outstanding contribution in so many areas here at Bridgman. She leads the children's ministries, Friday Buzz, Sunday Buzz, Mega Buzz, which was attended that year by 446 children and went up to, I think, over 500 children at one stage. She's been raising up and equipping many of our younger leaders. I know there's many here tonight who have been personally blessed through Trish's ministry and investment in, in your life. Um, through writing curriculum for adults, children and connect group series. Trish also coordinates the office admin team, uh, oversees the weekly newsletter, often works on creative projects, including the presentations of our vision and finance booklets. Her very high level organisational skills are a great blessing, coordinating 500 volunteers at our mega monster garage sales, which um, we used to do and other major events which she would coordinate all the volunteers for. She oversees the precinct welcome team, coordinates the church calendar. Trish is a very valued member of the women's ministry leadership team. She preaches regularly, serves as a pastoral uh, member of the church council as well, involved in pastoral care ministry, especially to women, and mentors personally a number of the young women of our church. Over the past 12 months, she has personally baptised 13 women, Trish is involved in wider ministry as well. I told you it was a long list. Trish is involved in wider ministry as well, speaking to churches in our denomination and beyond around children's ministry and also speaks at different women's events beyond the church. Trish graduated with a Bachelor of Ministry in 2013 and went on to complete her Masters of Theology in 2018. And then... Um, this, the final words that was presented at that meeting. Trish is deeply committed to the work here at Bridgman. She has a huge capacity and is making a wonderful contribution through her leadership in many areas. She's a godly, mature Christian woman. She has a heart for prayer, a wealth of pastoral experience, and we as a church have seen the hand of God upon her life. And we have all been so blessed, Trish, through your ministry, my own family, so blessed. And uh, my kids were here this morning just sharing in that to express that to you. But so many across, not just the children, um, families, parents, all of us, in fact, have been impacted. And many here tonight might not realise or might not have realised the fullness of all that investment and the blessing that's flowed to them through it. So we want to express our deep, deep thanks and appreciation to you for all of you invested here. I do want to say this is not goodbye to Trish, which we are so thankful for, praise God. 
Um, she's going to continue to worship here with us, but she is stepping into a new calling, which is really exciting. Head of primary at Carmichael College, which is an incredible outreach opportunity. And we're so excited for you, Trish, in this calling that God has for you. And we're going to pray for you in a moment, commission you into that. And we're with you all the way. But we do want to say thank you. So I've asked some who have been mentored by you and you have invested in their lives as representative of many others to come and bring these flowers, which you've received. This is the third time she's received these flowers. The flowers are doing well, though. Here is, oh, here's someone you know pretty well um, as well. But people have been blessed by you. Um, and so church, can we give a massive, massive thank you to Pastor Trish for what she's done in the lives of so many. So I'm going to invite you to stand because we want to pray for Trish right now. I'm going to ask some of the pastors here just to come as well. We're going to um, stay up here. We're going to pray and let's all join our hearts together in prayer. These are really important moments in a, the life of a church as part of the kingdom of God. As we give thanks to God, we honour and praise Him for His faithfulness. And Trish is going to share some with us in a moment. She's coming to bring God's Word. And you're going to be so blessed tonight as she shares. And so she'll have a chance to say a few things back. But let's join our hearts together as we pray now. Heavenly Father, um, we thank You um, that Your plans are perfect. Always, great God. That You always uh, are moving Your kingdom forward. That You love each one of us so much. You care about um, each of us as Your children. And uh, Lord... We've been just so aware of that just as a church here over many years. And we want to say thank you to Trish tonight. We want to thank you for Trish, Lord, the blessing that she is to us. And we're praying now for her and asking for a special anointing of your Holy Spirit, Lord. As she steps into this new calling that you have for her, bless her. As she ministers to the children right across that community around Carmichael College, a phenomenal opportunity parents, staff members, bless her with wisdom, Lord, I pray. Bless her with all the energy and strength that she needs. May she know your supernatural empowering in those moments where she just needs your help, Lord, which is every moment I know, Lord, but you just be so present, so with her. And so just anoint her by your Holy Spirit now, we pray. We join our hearts together in prayer and pray, Lord, that so much blessing would flow to Trish and through Trish to the lives of many in this season ahead, Lord. And thank you that we're part of your big kingdom plans and purposes, Lord. Um, and, and they're awesome. They really are, Lord. Your plans are awesome. And your plan is to bring many more into your kingdom, Lord. And so bless Trish as she ministers um, in this way. And so, Lord, we thank you tonight. Our hearts are full of gratitude to you. Um, and we just continue to pray for your blessing to be poured out. And we ask this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. That was, everyone said, Oh, that's a bit better. Put your hands together. Come on. Let's thank Trish so much. We're going to sing a song as um, we get ready for God's Word. So stay standing. The band are going to lead us. And then Trish is going to come and share with us. As we come, we open our hearts to your word. Uh, Lord, I know that you've got a word for each and every one of us here tonight because you love us and this is who you are, God. That's why you've come near to us. 
because you want to be in personal relationship with each one of us. I pray you'll encourage people, speak to people, Lord, encourage us, reveal your love to us. I pray and I ask this in Jesus' Name. Amen. Please be seated. One thing I did forget to mention that out in the foyer, um, there is actually a little couple of stations there, a couple of tables where you can write a note of thanks to Trish. And we're going to put all those notes together or you can email it in if you'd prefer to do it that way as well. But we're going to put all those together in a booklet and give that to Trish as well. But now, could you please give a very, very big welcome to Pastor Trish as she comes to share God's Word with us. Oh, wow, thank you. Um, and honestly, it has, has been and continues to be just an incredible privilege to be part of God's work here in this place. Um, I'm going to share a little bit more about that as we talk through tonight, but I did want to say thank you up front as well, just um, in light of this most recent journey that I've been on. Um, ever since my husband Mark was diagnosed and through his illness and then his passing and over this last 12 months, I have just been overwhelmed in a beautiful way um, by so many expressions of love, um, emails and messages and cards and flowers and gifts and visits and um, so much. Um, that I haven't had the capacity to reply to everyone, but I want you to know that every single um, thought and expression has been deeply cherished. And although I haven't been here physically in the last 12 months very much, um, I have felt just in, like enveloped by you all. And so appreciate being part of the family of God um, and the work that he's doing here and so loved by you all. So thank you. Um, and thank you as well, because it's been a bit of a journey um, to be honest and upfront, um, and, and probably everybody's in this situation, I had no idea how to navigate um, what life was going to look like once Mark had passed away. Um, and I'm so thankful for Nathan and the church council and the grace that was extended to me to have this past 12 months. Um, and I'm so thankful to God because in the midst of it all, he has guided my steps. Um, and as tonight, um, I share with you, I'm deeply aware that I'm not the only person in the world that has a hard journey. Uh, we actually live in a really tough world and we're in a tough situation, so much challenge and um, anxiety around that, so many unknowns, panic that happens. And that's not just about the global pandemic that we're in and have been for this last couple of years. But the reality is that life can be really tough. And so tonight, as I share with you, um, these are things that I'm learning on the journey. Part of the way that I learn, or that I have definitely in this last little bit, is to read other people's stories, how they've kind of navigated life and what God's shown them in the midst of that. And um, through the internet, that's been wonderful, connecting with people all over the world. Uh, but also looking at people who are no longer living and what God has shown them. And one in particular um, we find in the Bible, and I want to have a look at him tonight. His name is David. You might be familiar with him. He is a king of Israel, uh, well known for that, in fact. Um, but he wasn't always a king. He actually started, we first meet him as a shepherd boy, and his life has some incredible triumphs in it. But it also has some pretty big lows as well, some tough times that he goes through. And you can read about David's life in quite a few different places, particularly in the Old Testament, but um, it's actually his own writing that I wanted to have a look at today, his own reflections on a season of his life. And so we're going to have a look at Psalm 40. And what I love about the Psalms is they're pretty real and raw. People say things as they feel them, and that helps when you're navigating life, and life comes with unexpected twists and turns. David had an unchangeable belief in the faithful and forgiving nature of God. And I believe that was forged because his life wasn't always just smooth and easy. Um, this particular psalm, commentators think he probably wrote in the early years when he, of his being a king. So we know when we look at his life, he had still quite a few challenges yet ahead of him. But this is evidence that he'd already experienced some pretty tough hardships. And so we're going to start in verse 1, and it says this. I waited patiently for the Lord to help me. And he turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on solid ground and steadied me as I walked along. He has given me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see what he has done and be amazed. They will put their trust in the Lord. The psalm actually goes on for 17 verses in total, but I actually I want to narrow in on the first three because they create 
I guess, the platform of what the rest that David is going to talk about in this psalm. And so you'll notice that he sort of begins by talking about this season in his life where he was waiting. The Hebrew of this verse is actually an intensified form of the verb, and it literally means, waiting, I waited. So not in this passive, like I sat and waited, but actually there's a a real sense of activity in the language that's been used. It's soaked with expectation. David waited with this expectation of relief that was going to come. And not just relief in a vague sense, but relief in a specific way and through a specific means, through God. He was big with expectation and he had no doubt that God was going to come. And so his waiting is fueled with this expectant hope. It's not the only time that David talks about waiting. He actually uses this kind of phrase quite a lot in the Psalms. Three examples, one just in the Psalm before it. In Psalm 39 verse 7 says, But now, Lord, what do I look for? My hope is in you. I'm waiting with this expectant hope. In Psalm 130 verse 5, I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits, and in his word, I put my hope. In Psalm 42, verses 1 and 2, David actually compares himself to a deer that is longing for water. And he says, so I long for you, O God. I thirst for God, the living God. When can I go and stand before him? David waits expectantly because he knows that God comes. He is deeply confident that this waiting is not in vain, that actually God is going to come and answer his prayers. And though he may wait long, he will not be disappointed. It's interesting that we don't know how long he waited. We only know that he waited with this expectation. And it came to be fulfilled because he goes on to say in verse 2 that God lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire. Interesting, David actually refers to two kinds of pits in this psalm. The second one he talks about later in verse 12, and he gives a really clear indication that this pit that he finds himself in in verse 12 is actually the the result of choices he's made. It's the consequence of him choosing to go his own way and not God's way. It's the result of his sin. And it's a pit that we can all find ourselves in because we all have wayward hearts. And so sometimes pits are because of our sin, but not all pits are. And I think it's interesting that David mentions both of them in this psalm, because the very first one he talks about in verse 2 doesn't actually give us the circumstances or the challenge that he was, that kind of created this pit for him. It only just describes what it feels like to be there. The usual meaning of pit is a well or a deep, dark hole. And David speaks as if he's fallen into this deep, dark well and he's plunged into not a clean and placid pool of water, but actually a raging, roaring storm. It is dark and stormy and underground. So he talks about this pit, but he also mentions mud and mire. And mire is like a swampy, kind of boggy ground. David wrote about a similar experience that he'd found himself in in Psalm 69, and he says this about it. Save me, O God, for the floodwaters are up to my neck. Deeper and deeper I sink into the mire. I can't find a foothold. I am in deep water and the floods overwhelm me. When David is referring to this pit, he is describing what John Piper illustrates is this kind of experience. Falling into a well and sinking deep in a sludge at the bottom and then going deeper every time we try to lift a foot. Then all of a sudden, a roaring water comes from somewhere and it rushes around us in the dark. And with that comes a sense of helplessness and desperation. And all of a sudden, air, just air, is worth a million dollars. Helplessness, desperation, apparent hopelessness. It is the breaking point. And this is the way that David is describing his circumstance. This pit that he finds himself in, it causes a sense of helplessness and desperation that threatens to ruin life or even to take away life completely. And David says that's where he was, but God rescued him from that place. 
He's been pulled from the depths and he's been placed on solid, firm, sure ground. And he goes on to say that God's given him help and guidance as he kept moving forward. In fact, he says God had given him a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to God. It seems like a no-brainer to say that, yes, God rescued David, and so now David is full of thanksgiving. It's a simple cause and effect. And that is true, and yet I feel like it's such an inadequate description of what David has experienced. This new song that he's singing has grit to it. It comes birthed from a new perspective of God and even of himself, something that he had not truly known in the fullness like he does now. God can and God does deliver. God can and God does deliver from every sort of pit and every kind of mire that exists. David knows this is true and he can't help himself. He can't hold it in. He actually shares it. He's, he's celebrating the truth of God. But it's more than even just that. Because something else takes place, a flow and effect is taking place as well. Because in the waiting with hope that David is doing, in his humbling himself and calling out to God, in God's saving response, people have been watching. And as they see this, there's another result that takes place too. And David says, actually, as they see that, they're going to be amazed and they too will come to put their trust in God. The human condition is a very interesting thing because when we have a look and we see someone who is in a place of absolute desolation, in a place of desperation, and in that space, chooses to wait with expectation and a sure hope in a God who will come. And as God comes and sustains and strengthens and delivers, then there is something that is in awe, that people cannot help but be in awe of. And watching the reality of this take place cannot result in anything else but God getting glory and people coming to see who he is and putting their trust in him. It's seeing the real and genuine and authentic reality of life lived out and hope being placed not in our circumstances, not in the ever-changing world that we're in, but in the unshakable God that we have. It's interesting that David started this psalm with these three verses because commentators say actually the rest of the psalm indicate that David is now, he's reflected on this experience he had of God and now he's found himself in another situation of quite desperate desolation, in another pit. And in this place, it's really important that he reminds himself of what God has done for him in times past, that he expresses the confidence that he has in God, even in this new place of desolation. And they suggest that he has to do that because maybe that's all he can actually muster the energy for in that space. That's all he can actually even imagine doing is looking back and seeing what God's done, even in this place of emptiness and desperation. The psalm shows us that David was hurting, but he's still hoping. And hoping doesn't mean that we ignore reality. It actually means that we acknowledge reality for all that it is. And in the very same breath, we can acknowledge that God is sovereign and that he has absolute power and ability to work as he sees best. In this journey that we have of life, hurt doesn't lessen our hope. In Jesus, there is always a way forward, and our confident hope in him will never be disappointed. I don't know the exact circumstances that you are in today, I can only speak from a space of where I have been and often still are, a place of desperation and desolation at times too. But to know with a deep sense of truth that God is good and that these verses that David penned are the reality for all people if we choose to put our hope in him. And so I just wanna share some things that I have been encouraged with by David's journey from this psalm in light of the context of the world that we live in today. And the very first thing is that even though David cried out to God, God wasn't far away from him. 
In fact, actually, never for, not for one second was David alone or are we ever alone. There are countless times in the Bible where we see this is a promise of who God is, that he's for us and that he is with us. One particular one is in Isaiah 43 verse 2. Uh, deep encouragement it has been to me. It says, when you go through deep waters, I will be with you. There's an author named Anne Voskamp, and in the last year and a bit, she and her family went through an incredible tragedy and the loss of her dad in a, a farming accident on their property. And she's been writing quite a lot, processing her grief in, in light of who God is. And over Christmas period, she wrote these words. We may not know why God doesn't stop all kinds of suffering, but we definitely know it's not because he's indifferent. God is so moved by our being entangled in suffering that he moved himself into our world and entangled himself in the suffering with us. Emmanuel, God with us. For many of us, myself included, our lives may look different in this season than we wished. But I have learnt that there is still so much beauty when we choose to look beyond where we're at and look to who Jesus is. In the midst of the hard, my prayer is that we would experience the hope of Emmanuel who came to be with us, the hope in the hard. Because this I know with great certainty. No path I have ever taken is one that he has not walked before me. And no sorrow I have ever borne is one that he has not carried for me. We live in a broken world that is marred by gut-wrenching loss, great pain and global pandemics. But God's compassionate presence is never absent, no matter how bleak or barren the season. In the early 1950s, the English translator for How Great Thou Art actually published two additional verses that we don't often sing. And one particular verse I, I have grown to really love because I feel like I can sing it with authenticity, even when I'm in the midst of the pit. It enables us to actually do what Charles Spurgeon once encouraged when he said, if grief presses you into the dust, worship God there. The words of this verse go like this. When burdens press and seem beyond endurance, bow down with grief, to him I lift my face. And then in love, he brings me sweet assurance. My child, for thee sufficient is my grace. Then sings my soul, my saviour God to thee, how great thou art, how great Thou art. Never, not for one second, are we alone. God is for us, God is with us, and God is actually giving us the strength to live out this journey that we have. And God is great. He truly is. In fact, that's the other thing we start to see. David reminds himself that God has done many marvelous things, and he continues to do them. It's been such um, a, probably an emotional journey, really, to think back over this last season that God's had me in um, being a pastor here at Bridgman. An incredible privilege, actually. Um, I still remember in 2008 having what I thought was a hypothetical conversation with Pastor Peter, only to find out as like, doors started opening and I was taking what was nine months leave from teaching and turned into 12 years um, but it has been a ride and a half doing that. And I am so thankful because um, I feel in many ways I've had a front row seat to see all the different things that God is doing in this place. Nathan mentioned before even just the physical property and how the buildings have developed and God has given us land and um, enabled us to be able to um, have resources available for so many different kinds of ministries to reach out to the community, to love people well, to speak about the kingdom. So much has taken place and I am so thankful that I've been able to see what God's been doing, so humbled that he would use the broken person that I am in the midst of that and so excited to know that God is the author of it all and he's not done yet. I'm really thankful for the investment that people have made into my life. Um, 
from Pastor Peter and Nathan and through the, the whole team of people that I get to have been able to work with who literally pour their lives out for the sake of the kingdom. Um, to be part of a church that is so servant-hearted and that loves the things of God and just jumps on board with things is so incredible. And there's like the broad brush, brush strokes because if I could tell you every single story, we would be here for another 12 years. But the reality is that God is good and he's amazing. And I'm so thankful for the privilege, um, especially of being able to work in the kids' ministry. I've been so challenged by the faith of children. Um, I've learned so much from them about who God is, about their um, just unquestioning trust of God. It has been such a challenge and such a blessing to me. And I love being part of a church that recognizes that people of all ages are part of God's kingdom, that everyone has a part to play, kids included. And so it's just so exciting to see what God's doing. And so awesome to see how God has continued to raise up people. And I have loved being able to journey with people and see gifts that God has given them being released. Um, It is just so awesome to see, in fact. To work with Ty and Isaiah and Emily and Katie and that whole buzz crew across so many different ministry areas has just been, I think, one of the highlights for me. And who knows, maybe I'll still get to do some things there as well. But I'm excited too because in looking back, I see what I couldn't have known looking forward, that God actually does prepare the way, not just our way, but actually the way of his work to keep going forward. And so when circumstances changed for me, God had actually already foreseen that. And I'm so excited about Tyrone coming on as a pastor here and his leadership of the Bridge Kids ministry and all the things that are yet to come. And as people come and they grow and continue to serve, I know that we can see that God is going to continue to do even more things. And our heart is that actually more and more people would come to know Jesus, to come and put their trust in him. For me, I I really resonate with what David said about getting a new song to sing. Not a song, and I'm not going to sing it to you because that would be really bad. Um, But I I guess for me, I, I feel like it is that sense of clarity. In coming through this season, I, I see now just probably with even greater sense of urgency that time is short and we, we need to make the most of every opportunity that we have to love people well, to share the great news of Jesus and to give people the opportunity to put their hope and trust in him. And so um, I'm excited about stepping into a new season at Carmichael. For me, I don't feel like it's a, a leaving, but actually an adding on to what God's doing here. I love that we are a church that is kingdom focused. And so we are actually all putting our shoulder to the wheel. We're partnering in this great cause that God has given us to be his hands and his feet and his voice in this world. And so we're praying for God to do great things all over the place, in families, in neighborhoods, in schools, in churches, in businesses, everywhere that we go. I, I can't fathom how God works. I can honestly say I don't understand all of his answers. And there is a lot, even in my own journey, that is still really difficult um, to process and to understand. But this I know for sure, that God does do amazing things, even in the midst of our desolation. One other lady that I've been so encouraged by her writing, her name's Clarissa Moll, and she wrote these words that so resonated with me. She said, I don't know how anyone could make something marvelous out of the mess that death creates. It's certainly not humanly possible. So I choose to trust the one who dismantled death itself, the one who transforms broken humanity with radical grace, the one who, after it feels like all the gifts have been unwrapped, keeps lavishing gift upon gift in my grief. By him, all things hold together. In him, all things will be made new. I know for sure that life is short. And I have a deep confidence that the purpose of our existence here is to find ourselves in our Saviour. And in fact, actually, that's really what David is trying to get at. He's talking about the the fact that this hope that he has is not actually in just wishful thinking, but it's in the rock-solid, sure person of Jesus. Amazingly, the middle part of this psalm, David is talking about something that is going to take place in a a future time that he won't be alive to see. 
He speaks of one who would come and remove the pain of the ultimate pit that all of humanity finds itself in. In verse 6, David talks about offerings and sacrifices, which the author of Hebrews in the New Testament later picks up. And he actually quotes Jesus and says in Hebrews 10 verse 8, First, Jesus said, you did not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings or burnt offerings or other offerings for sin, nor were you pleased by them, though they are required by the law of Moses. Then he said, look, I have come to do your will. He cancels the first covenant in order to put the second into effect. For God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time. The greatest news that we have is that we have a hope in a living being. We have hope in a God who sees our need and has acted on our behalf. A God who didn't just listen to our cry for help, but a God who willingly entered into our suffering. A God who lived and walked and carried our burdens, who loved us so much that when he looked at our brokenness, he chose to make a way for us to be made whole. We have a God who saw us at our absolute worst, beaten, broken, hurting, defiant, desperately trying to hide our shame and loved us completely in that state. A God who loved us so much that he willingly came to pay the cost that our sin created. Our debt paid in full by our living hope, Jesus. God came into our pit, the roaring, thunderous swamp that we could not save ourselves from and made a way for us to be lifted out of it once and for all. The good news is that Jesus is our living hope. And I know there are lots of different kinds of pits that we're in, but the ultimate pit that humanity faces is this one that's been created by our own wayward hearts. And as I've done this journey, probably more than ever I've realised that the greatest message and the greatest relief we could ever find comes from understanding who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for us. My husband Mark loved the gospel, the good news of Jesus. When it grabbed hold of his heart, it changed everything for him. He'd spent the first part of his life totally aware of how broken he was. He knew he couldn't make it. And yet when he understood that the message of Jesus is the gift of his grace, he couldn't understand why people would not want to hear about it. So he spent the rest of his life taking every opportunity, proclaiming the good news of Jesus. And I know for a fact, because I had the hardest but the greatest privilege of my life, watching him finish his journey on this world, deeply confident in the truth of who Jesus is and the reality of the life that is ours in him, not just today, but forevermore. I have no doubt whatsoever that Mark is more alive today than you and I are and that he is with Jesus and one day I will see them both. And until then, the greatest privilege on earth just to spend my days telling people about the greatness of who Jesus is and the life that is on offer in him. If you haven't had a chance to put your trust in Jesus, and you've been living in this place of desolation, and maybe sometimes it's not apparent to you, but every now and then it overwhelms you. The great news about Jesus is that his invitation's on offer all the time. And all we need to do is simply what David has actually already demonstrated. It's humbling ourselves enough to recognize our need and crying out to God for help. And so the gift of Jesus is the ultimate victory that we have. He's our sure hope in this life and in the one to come. And I love the reality that in God, everything actually has a great ending. No matter what this world holds and the hardships and the pain that we suffer, in fact, Elizabeth Elliot said these words, and she was no stranger to grief herself. She said, of one thing I am perfectly sure, God's story never ends with ashes. With God, we have hope forevermore. 
And I love that David actually wrote this psalm and said that, you know what, we have, he had this new song to sing and that there'd be this flow and effect that takes place, that people would watch and they would see what happens as we live out this life, messy but authentic, aware of our desperate need for God, clinging with this patient but expectant hope that God would help, that God would strengthen, that God would deliver. And as a result of living that way, that many would come to put their hope and trust in him. And as we head into a year where we have no idea what's gonna unfold, and the uncertainty of that, I know, is really difficult for us to grapple with. And I think the encouragement, my prayer today for me and for all of us is that we would know this truth right in the circumstances that we're in so that we would have hope but also that God would get glory and that people would come to know him. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much for your goodness and your kindness. I don't know every person in this building or the circumstances that they're in, but I I am so thankful that you do. For those who are watching online even, I know you You see each one of us, you know us completely, you know our thoughts and you know our way. And I'm I'm so thankful because you have gone ahead of each one of us and are longing for us to know, no matter the circumstances and the situations, that we can have our hope secure and sure in you. And even this very night, I just wanna pray, Father, for those who maybe haven't yet put their trust in you, Those who haven't called out to you, Jesus, I pray even now that you would actually be just by your Holy Spirit even speaking to them. For those who've been afraid, who've been desperately trying in their own strength, that they would rest now in the reality of what you have won for them, Jesus. That they would, like David did, like others here have, humble themselves and cry out to you. And in doing so, see themselves lifted out of that pit and placed in the sure and solid ground that is provided by you alone, Jesus. I wanna pray for others too today who like me know what it's like to be in other kinds of pits as well. Desperate, in place of desolation and darkness and all different circumstances that might create that, but this place of just needing you to come to remind them that they are not alone that you are with them, that you are for them, that they can have their hope in you, be expectant as they wait, and that you, great God, are a delivering God. And so even if they are just like in that place of the dust where they're being pushed into the ground, I pray even now that we could worship you in that space and know with a great confidence that you are gonna keep leading us forward. There will come a day when everything will be made new. And until that day, we are gonna continue to keep our eyes on you. And that is our prayer for us as a church as we head into this year full of unknowns and uncertainty and lots of scary things taking place, that we would be a people who live out this life in in real ways, authentically. It's messy and it's hard and it's painful, but help us to be people who wait with expectation in a hope, have a hope in a God who is real, who meets us in this place and who delivers us. And I pray as people watch us do this journey, Father, that you would actually receive glory and that many, many people would come to put their hope and trust in you. We ask this in your mighty and powerful name. Amen. Thanks so much, Trish. Actually, why don't you jump up on your feet? We're just going to go into a time of worship. We're going to sing a couple of songs actually tonight. But, you know, Trish has been sharing all day. And, um, and this morning she was sharing. And when she mentioned the song in her, her sermon about Then Sings My Soul, something in my spirit just thought, oh my goodness, what a response. And uh, I just mentioned to the team tonight, it'd be so great to sing that song tonight, Then Sings My Soul. And so we're going to do that. But I just thought, what a, an amazing message. I know that for some of you, you come tonight and, Maybe you've had a really tough Christmas or maybe you're going through some tough circumstances 
uh, at the moment in your own life. And I thought, wow, what a phenomenal message. Yes, we can worship. It's, it's in some, some way, it's kind of easy to worship God when you're in the highs of life. But what about the lows? What about the pit? When you feel like everything's going wrong, can you still worship God in the midst of that? And uh, maybe tonight you've just been struggling and we're gonna sing this song. And I just thought, what a phenomenal response tonight. If you are feeling that way, you feel totally free tonight to just worship Him as you sing these words, then sings my soul, my soul. And uh, I remember hearing before, you know, or maybe before a worship set or something, I don't know, I haven't heard it for a long time before, but I've, I've heard people say before, you know, when you, when you come in the door, just leave your worries and concerns at the door and just come and worship God. But I just think, you know what? That's the amazing thing about God is don't leave your, your worries and concerns at the door, bring them with you. Lay him at the altar and say, God, I'm gonna worship you regardless of where I'm at. I'm gonna worship and honour and praise you because you're a God that's worthy of worship. And so I just feel in this moment, you just feel totally free just to worship him as we sing these, uh, sing these words. And I just wanna say, if you're watching online as well, I don't know, maybe you are feeling really broken and devastated and you don't even know why you're watching this, but maybe there's just something in you. And if you feel it all in this moment, just to fall to your knees and just to respond to God and say, God, I need you in my life. You just feel totally free to do that. Uh, but we're gonna worship Him regardless of where we are, regardless of where we are in our hearts, we can trust Him and we can worship Him. And so let's do that now freely and openly. Worship the great King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Great thou art. 
Church, we're gonna sing that again. Then sings, then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. He's worthy, we sing. Oh, hallelujah, praise the 
I think he's worthy of a shout of praise. He's a great God, a great God. Father, it's true, you are a great God, a great Father, a great King, a great Saviour for that matter. And uh, we just thank you, Lord, that uh, this world is not all that there is, but there's a greater hope and that you've made a way so that this, this isn't the end, but the life to come, a life to come in you, great God. No more tears, no more heartache, no more pain, no more suffering. This is the hope that we have in You, great God. And what an extraordinary hope to look forward to. And this is why this is the, the easiest thing we can do. Although it's hard, but the, to trust You with our lives should be the easiest thing in some respect as well. Um, and so great God, this is what we wanna do. We wanna continue to trust You, great God. Trust You, lay down our lives on a daily basis saying, God, I look to You, I look to You. This is where our hope lies, great God. And so we thank You for the Word that we've uh, heard tonight. And I know that some have come with a heavy heart, but thank You for the hope in You, great God. And uh, we wanna continue to look to You. We love You, we worship and we honour You, great God. And we just pray these things in Your uh, precious and mighty and powerful Name. Amen, amen. I did wanna say that as well, that uh, I, I believe in prayer so much and I love praying for people. We would love to pray for You. If you want prayer in any way at all, we'd love to pray for you um, after the service. Feel free to come down or just grab one of us. Uh, but God bless you. It's been great to have you here tonight and uh, hope to see you uh, next Sunday. Have an awesome week.